0: Welcome in Wolverine faithful to another episode of Victor's Valiant podcast here on SB Nation's Maze Brew. My name is Vaughn Lozon. You can get at me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. Joining me as always is my co-host, co-pilot Trevor Woods. You can follow him on Twitter at Woods Football. Trevor, how we doing, man?
1: Hey, doing good. Doing good. Ready for another week of football. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Notre Dame game today.
0: That's right. We're going to give everybody a quick recap here. The Michigan-Notre Dame game from over the weekend, we were both there. You were in the press box, Trevor. I was in the stands uh, watching the game. Um, You know, not the best start for Michigan that you could possibly ask for, especially in that first half, only really scoring the uh, kickoff return touchdown by Ambry Thomas. The offense, um, like all of the players have been saying this offseason, it's a tweaked offense, and I would say that that's pretty accurate given what we saw um, this past Saturday. Shea Patterson at the helm immediately went into the shotgun, weren't under center. Um, they, they didn't really put Shea under center um, until probably five plays in um, or something along those lines. So it was an encouraging sight to see that the offense had been changed a little bit, get um, you know a new flow, a new direction underway. Um, When you have a mobile quarterback like Shea Patterson, you want to utilize his ability to get out of the pocket, flush him out, hit tight ends in the flat, hit running backs in the flat, and you saw a lot of that on Saturday. Dishon passes off uh, to Clevins late in the game. Uh, Dishon passes off to uh, Nick Eubanks and Sean McCune, so I I think that's going to be a trend moving forward. I think we'll see a lot more of that, and I think that that will uh, play well to Patterson's uh, uh, style of play. And if for some reason he's not able to play, uh, Dylan McCaffrey, uh, looked very good as well from what I saw. Um, wide receivers, in fact, I, I think looked a lot better as well. Um, Nico Collins had 52 yard reception, Donovan Peoples-Jones was effective most of the night. He had six catches. He led the team in receptions. Grant Perry looked really, really good. Um, uh, towards the end of that game, he was starting to pick up his production, made a a really nice grab along the sidelines, and even Oliver Martin, a redshirt freshman, he came in and uh, uh, had some really nice playing time as well. Um, one thing that I want to start off with real quick, Trevor, um, at halftime, I, I do not believe Chris Evans had a single carry at halftime. Karan Higdon uh, had all of them. Um, uh, from the running back uh, a viewpoint, it was pretty much Higdon the entire Day rushing. Chris Evans only had two carries for one yard. Higdon had 21 carries, uh, for 72 yards and a touchdown. Do you expect to see more of that uh, against Western this weekend? And were you concerned at all that they were sticking with just running back? Because all summer long we were saying that Chris Evans and Higdon it was a one a one b kind of thing, and you saw it a lot last year. So, uh, do you expect that to change, Trevor? And and quite honestly, I think it should change. They should get. You know, at least a 60-40 or a 70-30. What say you?
1: Yeah, I think it'll end up being a 70-30, 60-40 on a given week. I don't have much of an issue with the amount of carries Evans received. I do think he should have had at least a few more. He ended the game with only two carries, opposed to 21 for Higdon. But the Michigan offensive line was definitely struggling. They were getting blown at the point of contact right off the snap to where, Evans is more of a guy that needs some open space to get going. He's an elusive back. He's not the strongest of backs. In the open field, he can break a, a leg tackle or something. But he usually does get wrapped up between the tackles. And then going you know tackle to tackle, bumping things outside, that just was not happening for Michigan throughout the game. So I don't think much would have changed if we saw Evans get more carries. What I do think, though, is where I'm with you on this, Vaughn, is If Evans was in, we see what he can do in the passing game. He had two receptions, three receptions rather, uh, actually no, I'm wrong, two. And one was for 18 yards as a big chunk play. And last year against Ohio State, Evans had a good amount of catches. He's very, very good in the passing game. And, you know, we see it this with the New England Patriots to where when a big pass rush continues to have success against Tom Brady, and that pass offense, what do they do? They find that running back time and time again in the passing game. It's been a staple of their offense for the past near 20 years. And I think Chris Evans is that type of guy. And in Michigan's scheme, they have plenty of plays where you can get the running back involved. So that could have been a nice security blanket for Patterson early on in the game. And honestly, it could have changed the outcome a bit. So I'm with you. Uh, He should have been in the game more, period.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I wrote a column the following day, um, that Sunday, on how, I, that was one of the biggest questions that I had going into halftime, where was Chris Evans? He was in for a couple plays for blocking situations, which the running backs do look improved from a blocking standpoint, at least against a, uh, a pretty solid Notre Dame defense. I, I thought they, they looked poised, and they wrote to that challenge. But the fact that he was only in for those situations kind of drew a red flag for me. I didn't really know if, if they had game plans specifically to getting Higdon all the carries. I, I'm I'm not entirely sure, and I, I still don't really know. But I hope to see more of Evans on a Saturday against Western, even if it's just, um you know, dishing it off to him every once in a while. Because if you get him to utilize that speed and elusiveness, that's something that Higdon does not bring to the running back table, and, and you should be able to um, you know, compliment Higdon's Thunder for Evans Lightning, so to speak. Um, but speaking of off the offensive line, you kind of hit on it. The, the O-line um, at times looked decent, um, but most of the time I would say was um, a disappointment considering all of the hype that it had been receiving this offseason. Cesar Ruiz said it was going to be a strength of the offense. Um, everyone was pretty much – High on this offensive line with Ed Warner coming in, coaching up these guys and, uh, kind of making tweaks on the, on the line, moving, um, John Runyon Jr. to left tackle and, um, really getting Cesar Ruiz his first start and really first playing time at center. I, I thought those two, um, really disappointed. Ruiz was the one that gave up the pressure. Um, I believe on Shea Patterson's interception. Um, so it, it was a, a vast disappointment from that standpoint. Did you see anything at all that gave you a confidence that this unit can get better? I mean, there
1: are flashes. There are minor flashes. The one that comes to mind was the long pass, the first play of the second half, to Nico Collins, the 52-yard completion to where it was a two tight end set and it was a, a play action, and they gave Patterson the necessary time and Patterson delivered a bomb on the money. Uh, so there's certain plays like that, but there are few and far in between. And they didn't protect him most of the time. And any quarterback's going to need at least 2.5 to 3 seconds to throw. When you're giving them 1.5 to 2 seconds, that's a huge difference in the game of football. And Runyon, he was getting abused out there. Ruiz wasn't his strongest game. And there was one... third down play where they took Ruiz off the field and put in Steven Spinellis and that signaled to me they believe Spinellis as far as that given game and situation was a better pass protector Juwan Bushel Beatty not a strong game from him either uh but to put it in context real quick Notre Dame that's a very good front seven arguably a top 10 one in the nation so uh if they're playing Western Michigan week one to week two, I don't think we'd be as harsh on the offensive line, but objectively looking at game film, it's still true. They they did not perform all that well. Jim Harbaugh said that week two against Western Michigan, he doesn't expect any offensive line changes. And that might sound crazy to some fans, but I completely agree with it. You don't want to, completely wipe out the confidence of this unit and what I mean by that is this is a game Michigan's likely to win and likely to win by a pretty substantial margin so what you can do is have a little continuity as far as this week with the line see how they perform and then you're going to be able to get some rotational guys, the backups in there and see how they perform too so I do think it's the right move Harbaugh keeping with the same line as we saw against Notre Dame. But, yeah, they had their work cut out for them. Uh, One thing real quickly, uh, Chase Winovich said about the offensive line and the offense as a whole, he said how a defense, all you really need is playmakers and, you know, you go fly to the football and go hit some people. The schematics aren't as prevalent. Uh, It's just pretty much playmaking ability. On the offensive side of the ball, you need to learn that playbook inside and out. And no matter how simple the scheme is, it's definitely always going to be a bit more complicated than the defensive side of the thing. So Winovich basically said they're going to get there. Uh, they're evolving. Uh, not a finished product yet. So, yeah, from the offseason hype, we suspected this offensive line and offense would perform better. But they ran to a, a pretty good defense on the road in a hostile environment. And that's not to make any excuses. But it wasn't the ideal situation to start off a year.
0: No, absolutely not. But quite honestly, this is kind of something that you would um, hope that you would get from week one. Get all of the um, the bad play out of the way, if you will. Um, you know, in, in this situation, it might be a good thing that you played Notre Dame, week one, um, you know, where you really are as raw as humanly possible. And for as bad as they played, They still only lost by one touchdown. That says a lot. And the defense made all the necessary adjustments in the second half. They limited them to, I believe, under 100 yards. I want to say it was around 60 or 70 yards total offense that they had in the second half when they gave up the field goal. Um, So it it was there. The comeback was definitely possible. They just, uh, you know, weren't really put in a position offensively. Uh, to make the plays necessary, and that's one one thing that I want to highlight real quick um, is the offensive play calling. I, I thought it was a, a a pretty pretty bad game um, calling plays wise from Harbaugh, Pep Hamilton, whoever ends up really doing it. It all goes through Harbaugh, um, so I'll place the blame on him here. Um, there were a lot of really really questionable play calls. Uh, second and one, uh, down at the goal line. In the red zone, and uh, they do a play action. Uh, the play was designed to get a pass off to Ben Mason, and uh, everybody was covered. No one was open at all. Shea Patterson takes a sack, get to third and ten, and obviously they did not convert the touchdown. Zach Gentry dropped it in the end zone the next play. I, I thought that play was a very questionable play call. Uh, it, it seems like sometimes the coaching staff overthinks a lot of these plays and, and what they should be doing. And uh, another example, third and three, this was the worst play call of the night, in my opinion. Third and three, they do a speed option with Shea Patterson and Chris Evans. And um, I I just don't believe that on a third down, when you're already losing by more than a touchdown, that that is the necessary play call to make. I don't think that they did a lot of the uh, intermediate passing plays that you would want out of an offense, those 10 to 20 yard uh, pass plays that uh, are so just they they could easily do these with Shea Patterson um you know rolling out to hit a wide receiver in the corner for 15 yard gain it I, I can see it in my mind but I just didn't see it on the field on Saturday and that's to me the most frustrating thing just the ineptitude of the offensive game calling uh from Harbaugh from Pat Hamilton whoever really ended up um you know, doing the bulk of that. Um, Michigan obviously doesn't have an offensive coordinator, so it's really hard to pinpoint who's really to blame. But I'll put the blame here on the head coach and uh, hope that they improve that moving forward. But <laughs> despite everything that we've said so far, it wasn't all doom and gloom on uh, Saturday against Notre Dame. I, I did I did see some things that I liked. Um, but I'll let you start. What What was one thing, um, you know, specifically that you really liked? Um, you know, whether it be offensively, defensively, special teams, wh- what was one thing that you saw that you were like, wow, that's that's really improved or that's really, really great play?
1: I'll start off by saying uh, I'm with you halfway on the play calling. Uh, there were certain situations you, you, you knew a run was coming, and that if we know, then the defense probably knows, right? And uh, there were other times, though, that, As you mentioned, yeah, you probably shouldn't have threw the play action on second and one on the goal line right there, and it led to a sack. But then, boom, the third down play, that was a pretty good play call, and Zach Gentry drops the football, should have been a touchdown. Then we probably wouldn't have been talking about that second one. So there's always that balance of, uh, you know, execution on the field, the players should have got something done, and the coaches maybe not putting those players in the best position to win. Uh, so with that, I did like, as you noted earlier, Vaughn, was some of the formations we saw. It wasn't just straight I-form, uh, ground-and-pound football. The offense looks like it's evolving a bit. Uh, it's going to take a little more time, but we saw a ton of spread formations and different looks, motions, and such within it, and I think we're going to see more read options in the weeks to come and everything else. So the one thing I liked was basically Shea Patterson. He did throw an interception off his back foot and we can blame that partially on him, partially on the offensive line, not giving him enough time to set and throw. But even so you cannot make that play. He did make a fumble on the last possession of the game with Michigan only down a touchdown and driving down the field. You got to have two hands on that football, keep it up by your chest. He did not. So those are a couple things you hope he learns from, but as a whole, he was 20 for 30 on the day, and he ran those bootlegs, rollouts, effectively fired a lot of hard throws on the money to receivers. He found, I want to say, seven or eight targets at least, uh, different receivers. It was eight, so that's a good sign. A uh, w- lot of good signs from the offense. Uh, the receiving core looks deep. So, yeah, The offense, how many points did they score? Well, they only scored one touchdown. Uh, They went down there a couple other times. A Will Hart muff snap should have brought the total to, you know, at least the game in in 24-20. But uh, a lot of missed opportunities. But I did like what we saw from the offensive unit uh, as a whole. Not a finished product, but there's depth to be had there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, it, it's never going to be a finished product uh, during the first game or after the first game. There's always going to be improvements that will have to be made, adjustments that will have to be made. And uh, that's just a part of football, man. I mean, even uh, a, a preseason top 10 team like Washington didn't look all that great uh, this past Saturday. So, I mean, there are always going to be things to improve upon. And, uh, you know, there were really good things to like from this game. I thought the special teams, uh, minus the bobbled snap from Will Hart on the field goal that you just mentioned, I thought special teams play was really good. Embry Thomas returning a 99-yard kickoff uh, for a touchdown. I thought the speed that he displayed and the vision that he displayed uh, is really promising. And I wouldn't be surprised if people start kicking away from him uh, because of how, much of a weapon he is. And, and honestly, I'd love to see him get some looks on offense. I think that would be um, just another spark, another uh, good thing to provide for the offense um, if if that is needed uh, moving forward during games. Like down the stretch against Notre Dame, I thought that they, they could have brought in a guy like Andrew Thomas, even if it's just as a decoy, just, just to get a different look in there, just throw off the defense and have them uh, look at him uh, for a potential A. Um, I, I, so I thought the special teams play was really good. Um, I, I thought the defensive adjustments in the second half were really good. Um, and, and I thought the way that Shea Patterson was poised, um, in the pocket, taking those hits, um, you know, there, there was one play where he easily could have been sacked, um, by the hands of Zach Gentry missing a block, but he got off the, the hit and scrambled, ran for nine yards. I thought that was, um, you know, really, something that we absolutely would not have seen out of a Michigan quarterback last season. Being able to see him take off, take that hit and take off, uh, get nine yards out of it was was encouraging. It was definitely an encouraging sign uh, that improvements have been made and uh, improvements will continue to be made. So, I'm excited uh, to see how they bounce back against Western Michigan. Uh, like you said, they're going to have be favorites. I believe they're already, uh, you know, 26 point favorites in Vegas or something along those lines. I know they haven't been covering very much lately, but um, we'll see how all that goes. But I want to talk about what's ahead, what's to come for Michigan football. And, um, you know, obviously, like I just said, the improvements will be made, adjustments will be made. Um, I really hope the improvements will be made from the offensive play-calling standpoint. Um, But also from the defensive play-calling standpoint, I, I think the aggressiveness kind of got to the defense a little bit in the first half. Uh, Devin Bush wasn't really staying home on his quarterback spies. There were a few plays where it, it, if he had just been a little more patient, some of those scrambles from Brandon Wimbush would not have resulted in first downs on uh, third and longs. I, I believe there's a third and six where he converted, and there was obviously the third and uh, you know, 18 or 17, whatever it was. Uh, it, it, if you just stay home, be patient. Those plays don't really happen. I think adjustments will have to be ma- made there as well. Um but, but what do you say, man? I mean, what do you think is to come for Michigan football um, this season? And what, what kind of things do you expect to see down the line, down the road here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I expect improvement from Jay Patterson. I saw his toughness on full display against Notre Dame. He had cramps to where he had to fall down to the ground. He was trying to walk off the field with all his might, and he just couldn't. And then Dylan McCaffrey came in and – He led the team down the field a bit, and that bodes well for the future too. McCaffrey looks like a solid option for the future, whether it's a backup or a future starter. But just the toughness Patterson displayed, had to go to the locker room, get an IV in, and then comes out on the field again, tells Harbaugh, I'm ready coach, and he goes back in there. We saw his demeanor. Uh, I'm not saying he's Baker Mayfield, but his demeanor at times is Baker Mayfield-like just – flexing his muscles and trying to fire his teammates up. So I love seeing that, but uh, firing people up, that's one thing. It all boils down to your ability on the football field. And he looks to have a pretty high ceiling. And with more time, with more games, like the one coming up against Western Michigan, SMU teams where you can take a few more chances down the field, throw that football 50 yards, throw it into the tight window, because your margin for error is just higher by default. Uh, maybe a little us, but I don't think Michigan's gonna have a problem with those two teams. So they become glorified scrimmages, practices to a certain extent, to where you gotta earn your stripes. You gotta go out on the field and uh, practice. Does it make perfect? No, it doesn't. But in-game uh, experience does, in my opinion. So, and as we already said, the the receivers. Some were young, some were veterans, but it looks pretty deep, have some good tight ends. So on the offensive side of the ball, honestly to me, it all boils down to that offensive line. I had an article about that a couple of weeks ago, and it still remains and rings true to where the offensive line will really determine the fate of this Michigan football team this year. As you said, Vaughn, the defense, the first half, they didn't maintain their gap discipline, their spy assignments gave up some big plays down the field, but The second half was highly encouraging and that's the defense we've come to know of Michigan the past couple of years with Don Brown and that should continue. The second half will be the norm, not the first. So it's still a solid team. I still feel the same way I did about this team, what they can accomplish this year. It still could be a special year. It could be a bad year. Who knows? You, You never really know predicting these things, but I think they have a great chance to beat teams like Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin still. Their future is still in front of them. Unfortunately for them, they lost a big game the first week, but it was a non-conference game. Their whole Big Ten slated games are still to go. Uh, It obviously sets you back when you lose a game. Less margin for error if you want to make the college football playoff, but all their goals are still attainable. As Jim Harbaugh said, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's also true. This wasn't the end for them. It's the beginning. So that's the way they have to look at it if they want to have any sort of success this season.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It is a bit of a setback. But, um, you know, like you said, Harbaugh isn't taking this, um, you know, too greatly. Um, you know, he, he said that this isn't the the end. It's really just the beginning uh, for this team, for Michigan football. Uh, you never want to start a season Owen. But I, I think this, this doesn't set them back too far. I think a lot of the overreactions after the game were that, oh, Michigan season's over. They lost to a rival. Harbaugh didn't beat a rival again. They're 0-1. Uh, they're just showing their true colors, all this stuff. And, and, guys, we just need to calm down, collect ourselves, and realize that this was not a Big Ten game. They still have the entire con- slate ahead of them. They could go undefeated in the Big Ten season and make it to Indianapolis. And uh, one loss to Notre Dame isn't going to affect their season as greatly as a loss mid-season to Michigan State or a loss mid-season to Penn State or a loss at the end of the season to Ohio State. Um, I would much rather get this loss out of the way now. Um, Ohio State, a few years back, they lost their second game of the season to Virginia Tech. And guess what? They still ended up winning the college football playoff that season. They ended up blowing out Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. These goals are still attainable. They're still absolutely in sight. Uh, they're not in the rearview mirror by any means. It, it, the, this season has not sailed off. So I ask fans, I ask alumni, um, students, you know, whoever views football games, watches these games and, and, you know, really appreciates Michigan football as much as you and I do to just stay patient, stay calm. These overreactions aren't going to help. And, um, it's just the beginning of the season. It's just one game and to lose on a true road game to start the season at a rival, um, you know, just losing by one touchdown. I, I think there were a lot of positives to take away from the game. Um, so it it clearly is not the end of the world. It's it's not uh you know, playoff defining, it's not Big Ten championship defining, it's it's none of that. It's just one game to a non conference opponent. So I, I hope that people can just realize that, soak soak in um, you know, what is to come for Michigan football. A lot of good is uh, on its way. I I I do really believe that. So Um, But other than that, Trevor, um, do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap up, whether it be from the game last weekend, um, you know, what's to come with the football team, uh, anything for this weekend, just anything at all?
1: I'd say this to the fans. We've we've seen a lot of it the past couple days. And, yeah, I'm talking to you, Braylon Edwards, too, to where there's a lot of hot takes going on. And there's a lot of people on ledges. They need to step off of them. And Braylon, you got to stop drinking and tweeting stuff at athletes when you're supposed to be an objective analyst. I'm I'm sorry. This is not cool. Uh, Here's what I'm getting at is there's a middle ground to be had here. There's some silver linings that are are, are truthful and objective. And uh, I I just say don't freak out To, to any true Michigan fan to anyone who cares about this team and has season tickets and really invested in part of their life in this program. I hear you. I hear your frustration. The losing to rivals has continued once again, but uh, brighter days truly could be ahead. This is a good quarterback. There's some other good pieces. The pieces of the puzzle are more there than they are not. Uh, it's just the offensive line guys. So if you want to get mad at anybody, if you want to, throw any questions into the air. Uh, I wouldn't say blame the play calling as much. There may be some credence to all your complaints, but if they get that offensive line short up, if they continue to protect Shea Patterson and open holes in the running game, this team can go far. The goals in which they wish to reach will be attained. So just hang in there a little while longer and we'll see what happens. It still could be a very fun year. So, let's have some fun. That's the way I look at it. It's football season. No way to ruin it just yet. It's only in the head. So, 11 more games to go. It could be a lot of fun. So, sit down and relax, guys. That's that's what I'm saying, to in this broadcast on my end.
0: Totally. And you summed it up perfectly. It's football season. Enjoy it. It's You only get this for so long every season. And you know, before opening kickoff at Notre Dame, I was just, I was so amped. My blood was boiling. I was so ready for kickoff. I I was beyond excited and I'll feel the same way when I'm at the Western game this weekend. Um, I just, I love it so much. And, you know, regardless of the outcome, right, it is football season. I'm going to enjoy it. I hope you, the fans and listeners of our show, enjoy it as well. And, um, what I hope you enjoyed this podcast too and I hope that you come back next week for another Victor's Valiant podcast one more time I'm Vaughn Lozon you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon follow my boy Trevor Woods here on Twitter at Woods Football and we'll catch you guys next time go blue